The Secret Church podcast is a resource from Radical.net. For The Secret Church 9 study guide and other resources that go along with this audio, visit Radical.net slash SC9. This is Secret Church 9, Episode 8. Evangelizes, baptizes, teaches, nurtures, worships, prays. The church prays. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Three times it says they were devoted to prayer. This, this prayer in Acts chapter 4, it's right after they've been persecuted. It's an incredible picture of the church in prayer together. There's so much to learn there. So we pray, we pray. Who does the church pray to? They pray to the God who is sovereign over everything in the world. That's how their, church, their prayer started in Acts 4, in the middle of persecution, sovereign Lord, which is a good way to pray when you know that even your persecutors are held in the hands of a sovereign God. And there is nothing they can do to you outside of his sovereignty. That's confidence in prayer. And then you read these other verses, Acts 16, Acts 18, talking about how, how the Lord is opening hearts. The Lord is the one who draws people to himself. He's sovereign. They pray to the God who supplies everything we need. Oh, let me tell you a secret the early church knew. Acts 17, 25. God, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. The early church knew the secret to seeing the power of God in the church was not found in serving God, but being served by God. That's why you pray. Because it's not like he needs something from us. We need everything from him. So, why did the church pray? They were utterly dependent on God's power. Ah, you go through, in each of these verses that I've listed here, every major breakthrough in Acts comes as a result of prayer in the early church. They pray and something happens. They pray and something happens. They pray and something happens. Utterly dependent on God's power. They were utterly desperate for God's grace. Acts 4, 33 says, much grace. Literally, it says, mega grace was upon them all. Grace of God, powerlessly working through them in all those different verses. They, were, they prayed because they needed his power and his grace and because they were utterly devoted to his mission. Utterly devoted to his mission. Like we become lax in prayer when we are not involved in mission. If our whole goal in the church is to do business as usual, we don't need to pray to do that. We can do that on our own. If we want to make the gospel known in the cities and the communities we live in, we want to make the gospel known in some of the hardest to reach places in the world, we will need to pray. And that's what prayer is for. I, <laughs> I remember meeting with house church guys, underground house churches in Asia, my first time there, and uh, they were talking about the, the very real threats that were involved in us gathering together. And it talked about, you know, the authorities could come and, and you know, bust up the whole picture. And I, I said, uh, well, well what, 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 what do we do when the authorities come? I was like, what, what's the plan? And <laughs> they kind of looked around and they said, well, we'll pray. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good plan. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say to that? Okay, yeah, okay, that's sufficient. All right, we'll do that. See how that goes. So yes, 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 we pray. How did the church pray? They prayed with structure. When it says they devoted themselves to the prayers, some people think that's, that's likely more formal prayers, even from the Old Testament. They prayed with spontaneity too. We see this picture of the Spirit of God leading them in prayer, which we'll talk about in a second. When did the church pray? They pr- participated in concentrated prayer. We see them gather together. 
to pray. And then they scattered to pray in continual prayer. Where did the church pray? They gathered together to pray, all joined together to pray. And Acts 1.14, Acts 13 shows this picture of when they sent out these, these uh, Paul and Barnabas to carry on Christian mission. I mean, you look at Acts 13 and you realize that from that prayer meeting, that changed the course of history. That prayer meeting. Paul and Barnabas go out and start planting churches. 13 of our 29 books in the New Testament are a result of the ministry that was launched in that prayer meeting. What, what happens when the church prays? Then they scattered apart to pray. I love Acts 16 and 18 and 20 talking about how the Spirit was leading and guiding along the way. What did the church pray for? What did they pray for? I want you to see how they prayed for the exact things, same things that we've talked about, the activities of the church, teaching. They prayed for the success of God's Word. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, they said in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 12, they're praying for the word of God to spread. So they prayed for the success of God's word, for the needs of each other in the world. They prayed specifically. They're not praying God somewhere, somebody's in prison. They're praying for Peter. They're calling out for him and for the spread of God's worship. 36 references to the church growing in Acts. 58% of them, 21 out of 36, are done in the context of prayer. Church is growing the worship of God is spreading by prayer. So the church evangelizes, baptizes, teaches, nurtures, worships, prays, and multiplies. Here's what I love. The church devotes themselves to these things. In verse 42 and verse 47, it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to them. When, when the church gives herself to what God has said is important, then he will add to our number. He, he will do the adding. When the church evangelizes, God will add. When we baptize and we teach the word and we nurture one another and we worship together and we pray together, God's going to bless. It'll look different at different times. But I want you to see just picture of church growth in the book of Acts. The church is unifying and expanding at the same time. Unifying and expanding. That's what I love here. We see intimate unity and wonderful expansion. Like we, we differentiate those. We separate and we say, well, our church has just kind of grown inward. We're just focused on each other. Our focus has got, our church has gotten so outward focused. We're no longer focused on each other. It's never supposed to be an either or. It's always a both and. True biblical community is inseparable from evangelism in the church. As we grow in community, it will enhance our evangelism. True biblical evangelism is inseparable from community in the church. Disciple-making is where community and mission collide together. Francis Schaeffer had a great quote. Our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether or not our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. And you see a picture of an apology, an apologetic, a defense of the faith here. We won't read through it, but, you know, there are a lot of people in our culture and in many cultures around the world that are very hard toward the gospel. And yeah, it'd be good to have some arguments for the existence of God or the exclusivity of Christ or this or that. But what if what it takes to soften the hardest heart will actually be the picture of the gospel in the church? It was unifying and expanding and quantitative growth and qualitative growth. 
I put all these verses here where, where Luke is telling us, hey, we got numbers advancing here, and that was good, but he's also highlighting all throughout Acts. It's, the whole book is designed around certain people to show us, people like Stephen and Peter and Paul, to show us the kind of people who are giving their lives to make the gospel known. So one question in the church is how many people are coming, and that's an important question. But it's not the only question. You can gather a crowd for anything, whether it's football or a Tupperware party or anything else. Like you can gather a crowd, maybe not a Tupperware party, but how many people are coming? That's an important question. But another question in the church is what kind of people are we producing? What are they like? Unifying, expanding, quantitative, qualitative. They were worshiping and witnessing. We've talked about this. Worshiping and witnessing. They unified through their worship and they multiplied through their witness. Unified through their worship, multiplied through their, through their witnesses. They went out. Worship and witness. Our worship is empty. Our worship is empty if it is disconnected from expression in the world. Worship fuels mission. If worship's not fueling mission, then worship's not really happening. Mission is driven. It's the whole, we behold, behold the glory of Christ when we proclaim the gospel of Christ. We talked about that. Next, the church both gathered and scattered. We see both. We see the church gathering together for intimate times with one another. One another. And then we see them scattering. We see the Spirit taking Philip and taking him out in the middle of the desert. Share the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 8, they scatter. So we need to be careful here. We need to be careful Dangerous misunderstandings. The church, if we're not careful, will begin to view leaders as professional performers and members as amateur spectators. Right, we need to make sure that we don't come in and walk away thinking, well, music was a seven today and preaching was uh, five out of ten. No, like, this is not the picture. And we talked about this earlier. Every single person in the church has the Spirit of God living in them. So don't, let's, the evangelism strategy of any church is not ultimately... It's not ultimately about what happens just when we gather together. It's about when we scatter apart too to make the gospel known all across the places where we live. The church measures success more by what happens when we come in than by what happens when we go out. If we're not careful, dangerous misunderstanding. We'll say, well, what happens when we come in? That's all that the church is about. No, what happens when we take on the world with the gospel? A biblical understanding the church gathers together to train one another in the gospel. To pray, to study, to hear the teaching of the word, break bread and communion and worship, encourage, love, sacrifice for one another. That's what happens when we gather together and then we scatter apart to penetrate the world with the gospel. Penetrate the world with the gospel. So finally, church growth in the book of Acts was both local and global. It was here and there, local and global. It was the gospel going from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. They're sharing the gospel wherever they are, and they're taking the gospel to wherever it's not. That's the picture we see. A dangerous approach. Phrases, two phrases we oftentimes use. I'm not called to foreign missions. Oh, don't say that. As if it's some program in the church for a few people. This is the purpose for which we were created. Like, make the glory of Christ known to the ends of the earth. That's why we've got breath. We don't need a calling. That's why we have breath. Make his gospel known globally. Somehow, each of our lives, that reflects an unbiblical understanding of salvation. This is why we've been saved for the glory of God and the gospel of God to go to the ends of the earth. 
So Paul in Galatians 1, I put that there, he equated his salvation with his responsibility to reach all nations. In Romans 1, he says, I'm in debt. I'm, I'm under obligation to take the gospel to the nations. Oh, and then we, we say, wouldn't it be better for me to give than to go? And yes, giving is extremely important, but that reflects an unbiblical understanding of the gospel. Yes, giving is important, but oh, when, when God decided to bring salvation to you and me, he did not send a check, cash or gold or silver. He sent himself. That's how we're going to make the gospel known to the ends of the earth, by going and giving, yes. A dynamic alternative, world-impacting disciples. What happens when Paul and Peter and Timothy and Barnabas and Silas and John Mark and Philip and Stephen and Aquila and Priscilla, when those kind of people are all over the church? World-impacting disciples, ever-multiplying churches. (laughs) I've talked before about a uh, persecution church in a, Cuba, one small impoverished church in Cuba. This church had planted 60 other churches. And we go to one of these other churches that they planted. This church had planted 25 other churches. I mean, they're just multiplying churches everywhere. And I go to the pastor, this one church, his older, older brother, and, and I say, you know, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you plant all these churches? How do you multiply churches everywhere? He said, we make disciples. He said, let me write that down. Make disciples. That's good. And this guy, this guy, he's nuts. Like he was brought before the communist council in his community for questioning. He brings a big rock in with him. He puts the rock on the table in front of the communist council that's about to question. They're like, what's the rock for? He looks at them and says, if you try to stop me from proclaiming the glory of my God, this rock is going to do it for me. They thought the guy was nuts and they let him go. Like, yes, yes, yes. So, all right, what I, what I put here at the end, case study in church activities, the church at Antioch, uh, you read through, you just follow the story of the church at Antioch, it's incredible. It's incredible. The church at Antioch, they were born in the context of mission. This church was started because Stephen was killed and believers were scattered in Acts chapter 8. And they came to Antioch and they began a church. This is how the church is birthed, through the death of Christians. They were radically identified with the person of Christ. Christians, they first called Christians at Antioch. They were identified with him. Nobody's saying there, well, I don't know if I need to be baptized. Like, no, no. They cared sacrificially for local churches around the world. I love this. This is, this is a picture of how, yeah, they were making the gospel known around the world and they were doing it. They were proclaiming the gospel and they were demonstrating the gospel with care for needs and giving. They were diversified in their leadership. You look at Acts 13 and you see diversity there. You see how God was creating this beautiful family there. They blessed the Lord through corporate worship. That's what they're doing in Acts chapter 13. It literally says they're blessing God and their worship. It's the church is worshiping. Mission is resulting. They blessed the Lord through corporate worship. They were desperately dependent on the Holy Spirit for direction and power. They send out Paul and the Spirit. It's like a pinball machine in Acts 16, 6 through 10. And Paul goes on this, this way. And Jesus says, the Spirit says, no, don't go that way. He goes this way. No, don't go that way. And one night he has a dream. Come to Macedonia. So he gets up and goes to Macedonia. It's just the Spirit leading and guiding. And they nurtured an atmosphere for sending people out. Do our churches nurture atmospheres for sending people out? 
Don't miss it. They weren't afraid to send out their best. I mean, you got, you got Paul in your church? You keep him. And Barnabas, I mean, that's how the whole picture started. Like, these are like the two guys. And they send him out. They advance the kingdom through multiplication. They're planting churches all over the place. All over the place. They grew in Christ at Antioch because of their ministry around the world. The beauty is, as they're sending people out, when those people come back, they're encouraging one another. They're growing in Christ at Antioch. It's not, well, if we get focused on the world, we're not going to grow here. No, it's not an either or. It's a both and. And then ultimately, they were ultimately renowned in Scripture for reproduction. Oh, that's, that's what. <laughs> yeah. May our churches, represented in this room, be renowned for reproduction. Thank you for listening. You can find more episodes from Secret Church and thousands of other free resources at Radical.net.